You are now entering the chambers of the highest court in the state of hockey. Real cases, hot takes, wild justice. All on Judge Joe Norty. All rise for the Honorable Judge Joe Norty. Today's case will be the state of hockey versus the Sean Bergenheim trade. For the prosecution, we have Tony Abbott of The Athletic Minnesota. And for the defense, we have writer and wild Twitter personality, Dustin Nelson, defending the Sean Bergenheim trade. Thank you. You may be seated. Counselor Abbott and Counselor Nelson, you will now be sworn in. Do you swear to give your take, your hot take, and nothing but your take, so help you, Jacques? Yes. I do. All right, counselors, you may begin your opening statements. Counselor Abbott, you have the floor. The year was 2014-2015. The Minnesota Wild had risen back to prominence. That's two years. (laughs) Sustained. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. Please rephrase your question, counselor. (laughs) The year was 2015. The Minnesota Wild had risen from prominence to completely out of playoff contention and surged back into a playoff spot when Jason Zucker, who had 21 goals in 51 games, got hurt. And they needed to replace him. They needed to replace Jason Zucker with somebody but who. Chuck Fletcher chose a gentleman named Sean Bergenheim from the Florida Panthers, exchanging a third-round pick for him. It turns out, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that Sean Bergenheim was not, in fact, Jason Zucker and did not come close to matching Jason Zucker's production. Minnesota quickly found out that this was not the Jason Zucker that we were looking for, even though Bergenheim had some seasons where his his, his stats were fine. They certainly fell short of fine going forward, as Bergenheim got one measly goal in 17 games and found himself benched for the majority of the Minnesota Wilds playoff run that season. We, the state of hockey and the prosecution, will find in this case that the Sean Bergenheim trade was not only a bad trade, but was always a bad trade and could never have been anything but. Counselor Nelson, those are some serious charges. How do you rebut? Look, you can spout all the fancy words you want about how things turned out and Jason Zucker. By the way, if you're trying to say Bergenheim was the replacement for Jason Zucker, look at who they paid more for at the trade deadline. It was Chris Stewart. Bergenheim was never meant to be that player. At the time, old school hockey minds, analytic hockey minds, all thought Sean Bergenheim was really a sneaky trade with a lot of potential for upside. You are talking about someone who is hugely instrumental in a Tampa Bay playoff run in 2010-11, scoring nine goals and two assists in 16 games. He had a track record that made sense. His analytics looked great, and the Wild really just needed more depth. Yes, it would have been great to replace Jason Zucker, but the prices were really high on absurdly bad players who didn't work out for any of those teams the process here 
was right. The results weren't great, but the process was absolutely spot on. And it was a good opportunity for the Wild to acquire Bergenheim for a third round pick. And it wasn't just a third round pick. The Wild got back a seventh round pick. So it Objection, Your Honor, who cares? I tell you who cares. (laughs) Tell you who cares. The GMs who got hustled for the likes of Daniel Winnick, Yuri Tlusti, Thomas Fleischman, Antoine Vermette, Curtis Glencross, and Minnesota's very own draft pick, James Shepard, who all uh, cost more at the trade deadline that same year. I'm now sitting down. (laughs) Okay. All right, this court will now take a short recess, and when we come back, we'll begin the trial proceedings. You're listening to Judge Norty on Locked on Wild. Welcome back to Judge Norty here on Locked on Wild. I am Joey the Judge. We have uh, Counselor Tony Abbott from The Athletic Minnesota and Counselor Dustin Nelson from Twitter and Thrillist.com. Gentlemen, we are trying the case of the state of hockey versus the Sean Bergenheim trade. Prosecution, Counselor Abbott, you now have the floor. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the court of the judge, of the defense, I would like to point you to Sean Bergenheim's stats. Yes, yes, he did have those magical 16 games in Tampa Bay where he scored nine goals. Wow, unbelievable. However, you have to be reminded of these three little words, small sample sizes. And you look at those that small sample, that 16 games, and it looks fantastic. But... But I could point to several players who have done very little throughout their career and had one big playoff run and looked amazing and was never heard from again. Fernando Pisani. Do you even know what team he played for when he had his magical playoff run? No, you don't, because nobody heard of Fernando Pisani ever again after he's scored a bunch of goals leading the 2005-2006 Oilers to the Stanley Cup. By the way, that was the most bizarre season. Can you imagine Edmonton getting into the playoffs now? I cannot. Moving on to Vili Liano. Have you heard of Vili Liano since 2009-2010 when he scored 21 points in 19 games to lead the Philadelphia Flyers uh, deep into the playoffs? Yes, you have, but only because somebody made a mistake and acquired Vili Liano and signed him to a ridiculous contract. Now, granted... Sean Bergenheim was not signed to a ridiculous contract. He was simply traded for a third-round pick. Understandable that those are two different things. I'm not saying that the Sean Bergenheim move was as disastrous as Billy Liano's acquisition, but I will say it also wasn't that great. Mr. Bergenheim had a career high of just 29 points leading up to that trade, which... You know, when you're when you are making a move in reaction to a player like Jason Zucker breaking his collarbone at the height of his powers, that just isn't a, a player that was going to step in and replace that for you. But if only there was some depth that Minnesota could have promoted at this time, hmm? Too bad there wasn't any. Oh wait, ladies and gentlemen of the court, there were some options. Eric Halla was languishing 
on the Minnesota Wild at the time, getting just 12 minutes a night and not being put in a position to succeed. He, of course, would never get put into a position to succeed with the Minnesota Wild and left at the age of 26 to Vegas, where all of a sudden, wow, it turns out Eric Halla was a pretty good player, scoring 29 goals for Vegas. Now, if only... If only they could have elevated Eric Halla, whose game does resemble Jason Zucker's in terms of speed and skill. If only they had elevated him at the time. They did not. Instead, going out to trade for a rental player in Sean Bergenheim. Now, as Mr. Nelson pointed out, Minnesota would also trade in a rental for Chris Stewart. And the year before that, Matt Molson. And then a few years after this, Martin Hansel. All trades that were rental where where Chuck Fletcher gave up premium assets, top three round draft picks, in order to acquire these players who would play less than 30 games each and all underperform. This is a pattern that Chuck Fletcher showed in his time in Minnesota. And it fell short every time, perhaps... None so fantastically as Bergenheim, who, again, as we mentioned earlier, scored just one goal in 17 games. The prosecution rests. Counselor Nelson, have you prepared your defense? It's fascinating to me how much the Honorable Counselor Abbott would lean heavily on some of the biggest deficiencies of the Wild organization. Because those are the exact reasons that show the process wasn't bad, even though the results sucked. One, the assumption that the Bergenheim trade is bad is in part because of all the other bad trades Fletcher made, and I will not argue that he didn't make some real fucking stinkers. He absolutely did. But this was not one of them. Additionally, it's strange you would point out Eric Howla. It's almost as though you were saying Mike Yo made some questionable lineup decisions. Maybe a step too far. Maybe not. <laughs> he made some bad decisions. And the usage of Sean Bergenheim was absolutely one of them. Objection, because Your Honor. Mike Yo has played the game. Mr. Nelson has not. I'm going to overrule just for the sake of Mike, yo. <laughs> uh, so look, yeah, Howla should have been promoted. Jordan Schrader probably should have gotten more time at that point. Instead, Objection, Justin Fontaine erasure. And Justin Fontaine as well. I sustain that one. <laughs> I sustain. <laughs> But these are all just examples of how misused players frequently were. Now, Bergenheim came in and he wasn't ever supposed to replace Zucker. He's not a big goal scorer. Like you said, he scored 29 points twice. That's the best he really did. However, he was a great possession player on lower lines. That season, including his time with the Wild, he even though that a lot of that was not great, he still was over 55% in usage-adjusted Corsi 4. He could be used to their benefit. That process was right. Instead, when he came over, they gave him a couple games up top, and then 
his ice time just plummeted. He was regularly below 10 minutes a game, even below six minutes twice. Never really given an opportunity because Mike Yo didn't use him properly at any point. Was he playing great? No, I'm not arguing that the results were great, but that the process was there. And that part of the results being bad is that exact same usage problem you're talking about. Additionally, the trade wasn't as bad as many of the other trades at that exact same deadline. You start looking through what other teams played for comparable players, ones that even should have arguably been quite a bit better, and the Wild made a good move. They didn't lose a draft pick. They bumped down a few rounds and got Bergenheim. Meanwhile, the Penguins picked up Daniel Winnick, and it cost them Zach Sill, a second-round pick, and a fourth-round pick. In 21 games, Winnick put up nine points and got zero points in five playoff games. Yuri Tlusti cost a conditional sixth and a third-round pick. Four playoff games, zero points. 20 regular season and eight points. Thomas Fleischman cost a third-round pick, and they didn't get anything back and had to put over an aged and declining Danny Heatley. Six games in the playoffs, one point. Antoine Vermette cost Klaus Dahlbeck and a first-round pick. Now, he picked it up in the playoffs toward the end, but 12 regular season games, he was scratched and only came up with three points. Curtis Glencross cost a second and a third. 18 regular season games with seven points, 10 playoff games with one goal and nothing else. James Shepard, unsurprisingly, also laid a big f- uh, just like he did every time you saw him in a wild sweater. It wasn't a bad trade insofar as the process was right. There were good reasons to pick him up, and the price was really pretty good, especially when you look at some of the, how much some of these other players cost and provided absolutely nothing. And that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs> Thank you, Forrest Gump. <laughs> Counselor Abbott, prepared to cross-examine? Yes, indeed. The stand is yours. Mr. Nelson, earlier you blamed Sean Bergenheim, uh, his his performance in Minnesota, at, at least some, on the what you call questionable decisions of Mike Yo at the time. Correct? Correct. Hmm. All right. Would you say that it is a general manager's responsibility to anticipate and meet the needs of his coach? Yes. Yes, I would. All right. May I ask you what you feel that Yo valued most in a player? Uh, having the last name Cook. <laughs> um, would you say that things like uh, grit and determination and effort were among Mike Yo's core values and what he liked to see out of a player? Would you agree? I believe I just said that. <laughs> Are you aware that in the uh, the games preceding Mr. Bergenheim's trade to the Minnesota Wild, that he was scratched in three consecutive games by uh, Gerard, by Gerard Gallant? I was, but I didn't think uh, decisions made by Dale Talon or associated with him at all were admissible. Judge, can I get a ruling? Yes. Is, okay. Uh, sounds good. Sounds good. If this is cross-examination and it's going to prove out a, a pattern of uh, behavior and mindset. All right, then I will proceed. So he was scratched in three games previous by Gerard Gallant. Do you know why that was, Mr. Nelson? 
I do not. It was because of a perceived lack of effort shown by Bergenheim in his time in Florida. Now I will ask you, was it smart to hand a player to Mike Yo, your coach, who you know well, as a player who had a reputation of not getting the effort that was wanted from him by his coach? Yeah, you see, I think that's a little debatable. I mean, the passion he showed in sitting out with the Islanders uh, when Charles Wong had his ridiculous rule about uh, players having to be signed by the beginning of October or they were out for the season, he took the initiative and had the passion to go to the KHL. It did not seem that Mr. Gallant agreed that his passion was sufficient, would you say? Uh, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't speak to his mindset at that time, no. Hmm. No further questions, Your Honor. <laughs> Counselor Nelson, would you care to redirect? So, Mr. Abbott, is it uh, your contention that at the time of the Bergenheim trade, Eric Howla should have gotten more minutes? I believe that was, or I believe that is my contention, yes. I... Is it your contention that Justin Fontaine didn't deserve to be relegated to the fourth line at that point uh, and frequently scratched? Considering that Justin Fontaine in that season put up more points than than Sean Bergenheim had done in his entire career, despite having 12 minutes a game, yes, that is my contention. What was one of Justin Fontaine's biggest assets, do you believe, as a bottom six player? I would say his skill and his hockey sense. It's exactly the kind of shifty answer I would expect from someone who has previously defended the Bergenheim trade. Objection, Your Honor. Evidence isn't admissible in this court. It's his witness. And I believe years ago on podcasts where we talked, you'd spoke highly of Fontaine as I did because he wasn't getting the minutes he deserved because he was a strong possession player. Yet, what do we have here in our other hand? But Sean Bergenheim, a close replica of Justin Fontaine. He deserved just as much chance as Fontaine did, but lo and behold, no chance to be had. Furthermore, will you are you holding his no points in three playoff games when the Wild played eight games that playoff run against him? Not those three specific games, but it is part of the overall picture of the Minnesota or of his performance with the Minnesota Wild. Yes, I would I would count those three playoff games in that assessment. It seemed like you almost contended that it was part of the overall picture of the problem with the Minnesota Wild, that they would place a player in that position after scratching him for almost two full weeks prior to the start of the playoffs, throw him into the playoffs, having just been sitting in the press box, and then play him for 10 minutes. Now, if they had done that to Eric Kaula, would you have felt betrayed? Yes. If they had done that to Justin Fontaine, would you have felt betrayed? They did do that to Justin Fontaine, and yes, I felt betrayed. Yeah, they pretty much did that to him every <laughs> every chance they could get. And would you, if you were setting that roster, would you have been playing Brian Carter and Chris Stewart and Matt Cook over these players? Objection, Your Honor. 
the the defense is disparaging the name of very many FSM contributors. <laughs> These are ad hominem attacks. <laughs> Point being, I think we can all agree Bergenheim was misused, and that the main argument against him is just the production he put up with the Wild, while being having his time on ice abused. I rest my case. And may I would though I would no, I'll hold it for the closing argument. You rest your I'm case, done. counselor. I'm, I'm done here. You yielded, counselor. You yielded. All right. Uh, we are going to take another short recess for counselors to prepare their closing arguments. This is Judge Norty on Locked on Wild. Welcome back to Judge Norty on Locked on Wild, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. I am Judge Joe Norty. Who's presiding over this court as parting as presiding over this case, the state of hockey versus the Sean Bergenheim trade. Both counselors have battled it out in opening statements, as well as trial proceedings, cross-examination, and redirection. They have now prepared their closing statements. I now give the floor to the defense counsel, Dustin Nelson. Sorry, with you, Your Honor. I'd like to uh, do the podcast version of pacing with my hands behind my back for dramatic effect. The Sean Bergenheim trade was sound. At the time of the trade, analytics people praised it as a sneaky good pickup, that he was undervalued, and that the price wasn't that high. Now, those Expectations were elevated, maybe in part because in 2015, Wild fans had a real thing for pretending like every Finnish player that came here was going to be good. That may be. But he was never going to be a replacement for Jason Zucker. He was really a middle six player with good possession numbers that could help drive play. Did that happen? No. But the process was very sound, and it was a very affordable deal. Moreover, some of the disappointment, the reason we think of this as a bad trade, the reason this gets mentioned in the same breath as Martin Hansel, is because of Mike Yo's usage of him. He wasn't given an opportunity. He was put in impossible situations. And I'd like to state one last time, the, other, the, the prosecution has flip-flopped on this issue. They definitely agree with me. And I think we all know that. I rest my case. Prosecution. Counselor now, Abbott. Mr. Nelson, you may come into this court with your big city talking and your fancy stats telling me about how Coach Mike Yo was anything less than a oh all right, fine, fine. I'm not gonna I'm not going to keep holding up the pretense that Mike Yo was the super genius, but I will say that Chuck Fletcher should have known what he had coming. And he should have known that from his from Mr. Bergenheim's previous stop in Florida, clashing with his coach, that that would not translate to good play playing under Mike Yo, who is very- closing arguments, but objection. The idea that Chuck Fletcher ever knew what was coming 
over in a trade or that any wild GM ever knows what's coming over in a trade. See, the Nino Niederreiter trade is just inadmissible. Counter objection, your honor. <laughs> Dustin Nelson was very mean to me when I was trying to make my closing arguments and should be held in contempt of court. I don't know how courts work. <laughs> this isn't a courtroom. I'm You're gonna, out of oh. order. You're out of order. Hey, hey, hey. Court hey, is order, out of order. Order, order, order. This is my courtroom, counselors. Can I please make my closing argument, Judge? I I am going to overrule this objection because it is closing arguments. It is not entered into, into Exhibit A or evidence. But, counselor, tread lightly on your closing arguments. You may proceed. <laughs> Mr. Fletcher should have, being a, I believe, Harvard man? Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. Uh, being oh. a, a Ivy League man should have been smart enough to know that acquiring a player who had previous issues and clashing with his coach would not translate well to Mike Yo's very heavy buy-in necessary to have more than 13 minutes of time on ice per night plays, or coaching style. This was a trade that was simply never going to work, and Minnesota went out and spent assets to get a player that would not help them and would not fit into their their locker room and coaching or and coaching staff when they could have simply elevated players in house like Justin Fontaine, Eric Halla, or Jordan Schrader. Those players would have brought I contend this court contends everything that every one of the one goals that uh, that Sean Bergenheim provided to the Minnesota Wild down the stretch and into the playoffs, and perhaps even then some. The prosecution rests. Hold on. You said Bergenheim clashed with the coach? I had no idea him and Ryan Suter had problems. <laughs> Counselor, you will remain a, some decorum in this courtroom. No speaking out of turn, please. All right, Jeff. With closing arguments now concluded, I will now, as judge of this courtroom, turn to the jury. I am instructing you in I am instructing you, our listeners, to take this back into deliberations and come to a majority verdict. You will fill out the jury poll at Locked On Wild on Twitter. After a period of no less than five days and no more than five days, the foreperson of the jury will announce the verdict to this court. Before we go, Counselor Nelson, where can we find you? Oh, I'm on the Twitter at uh, D. Luke Nelson. Counselor Abbott, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at OhiTony. I will uh, I will publish my work there. So that's uh, that's a good one-stop shop for all my work. Thank you, counselors. You may now retire to your deliberation quarters, jury. Thank you for listening to this episode of Judge Nordy on Lockdown Wild. Be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your Minnesota Wild every day.